Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rob Tichkowski, you are on the same page as a lot of other people. I know Bob Nicholson said they're not hiring a president of hockey operations. They're hiring a general manager. That's what he said two weeks ago. But you think the owners need a president of hockey operations. And whether you were serious or not in your recent column, you should be the guy to, to do it. Or if it's not you, who? <laughs> Ralph Kruger, maybe? That's Terry Jones's pick. Yeah, well, I, like everybody thinks Ralph would be a great pick. He's one of the smartest, enlightened people anyone's ever met. The guy's, you know, he was one of the best Oilers coaches they've they've had in this stretch. He goes and takes Team Europe to the final. He speaks at the United Nations Economic <laughs> Conferences, and he's a competitive water skier. So, yeah, he's a, the most interesting man alive. But going back to the Oilers, uh, yeah, it, I think this is a, a, a situation that requires more than one person to fix it. They've had a number of general managers come through here and it's it hasn't made a ripple i think this this entire organization structurally needs to be you know taken down and rebuilt again from from player personnel to player development from amateur scouting to professional scouting those are all of the areas that are letting them down and it's it's you can't trade your way out of this when you don't have your own draft picks coming up through the system so that's that's on your amateur scouts and if your amateur and if your players aren't being developed that's on your development team and if you're making these constant trades that dilute your talent for I went through the list and there was a number of seven or eight or nine players in the last little bit that got traded to the Oilers and never played again so you know who trades for a guy who you know comes here blows out for half a year and then retires I mean that's that's on player personnel and, and pro scouting so I think every single area of this organization needs to be broken down and rebuilt because it doesn't work and uh you know when Poho Tichkowski um you would actually go out and try to allure two, uh, uh, you know, you're putting it t- together a triumvirate. You know, you suggested in your column, I'd try to take Kelly McCrimmon and Mark Hunter and bring them in with a third guy. Yeah. I like the Toronto model. I think yeah. it worked really well for them. And then over time, somebody, you know, they emerge in their different roles and responsibilities and, and uh, you know, they, they go in, in – in that situation, they went their separate ways, but you know, Lou Lamarillo gets this kind of old school rap, but he's fantastic. You know, he's, he's succeeded everywhere he's been. So I think you have a little bit of that. You have a little bit of youth. You, you know, Hunter seems to be a really good evaluator of talent. 
I would I would have a, a management team come in here and then over time, you know, somebody would step into the Bob Nicholson role and then somebody would be full-time GM and somebody would be a, a highly regarded assistant GM. And I think anybody who comes here and turns the Oilers around, your stock is is high for a long, long time. I think that's a, that's how you could sell this position. And eventually the Tichkowski offspring would have jobs in this. Uh, oh, yeah. My whole family, all my buddies would be working for the team. You've got to start Even somewhere. his golf buddies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three of, my, three of my golf buddies would be pro scouts, and then uh, that would be a good time. Drilling down a little further, I mean, you, t- you know, and I think it's pretty clear that the owners need to change how they're doing their pro scouting, but you say, you're going to gut the entire player personnel departments. And yes, basically hit the reset button. Let's start over. Yeah, I mean, I've been just. You know, how long have you been here? And how let's let's go through. You know, do a like they promised the forensic audit. I don't know that it necessarily happened because I don't think you could go through a lot of the decisions that have taken place over the past eight, nine, ten, twelve years, and then still say, you know what, I I, I should should be in this position. So, you know, do you go through there and fire every single person? No, but you have to have you have to have turnover, and there has to be turnover. You know, at in in the top positions. And you gave them forty eight hours, and you're here now. Yeah. It's Monday. Yeah, I don't. So you're staying. So yeah, they saying? did. They did not call. Oh. So I'm surprised. I thought they would. You know, they would read it and think about it and offer me the offer. Me I the, thought your salary demand was pretty pretty low. Quite frankly, two point one. Well, it was two point one US. So I was just trying to, you know, like you know, it was low for them, but you know, actually closer to like three something. And it was only for one year. I'd be in and out. They wouldn't have to worry about me, and I wouldn't write again, so they wouldn't have to worry about that either. So it was yeah. win-win. How would you stick Kendall around? I mean, you gave yourself not the Poho title, president of hockey operations, but the, you know, the everything guy, head, head of, of everything. everything. Yes. So I assume that all the former uh, general managers, executives, and whatnot who are on the payroll, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Tavish, Scott House, and Bob Green, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, would all be gone. Yeah, pretty for the much. Most part. I, I would say for the most part, they would have to, you would sit down. Like I, these would be the decisions that, you know, that uh, Hunter and, uh, and McCrimmon and, and, uh, with some input from myself would sit down and make those decisions. Kevin Lowe, to some extent, I think he's above it all now. I'm not sure how hands on he is. And I do have great respect for he, when he was a GM, he was an excellent GM. He, he got this team. He made some mistakes on the other side of it, but he, he built a team that was competitive in the small market era. He got them to a, to a Stanley Cup final. He, you know, he bleeds oiler blue and he's kind of out of the, out of the, the hands-on element to some extent now. So he might get a pass, but yeah, if you're talking house and McTavish, you know, plead your case. Tell me why you, you know, if you're in charge of player development, tell me why player development is, is firing on all cylinders right now. If you're in charge of player personnel, then tell me why player personnel is firing on all cylinders. Cause from the evidence I've seen, I don't see it. I guess it all depends on whether Dale Cates you know, would, would agree. He, he doesn't agree with your vision. He didn't, or he, he didn't see or call him. Probably that. <laughs> Probably that. Well, he hasn't talked to anybody in the last 10 years he's owned the team. So regardless of whether he reads anything, if he saw you at the rink, he'd walk right by you. So it really wouldn't, wouldn't matter. I, probably, I, I think I joked about it in one of the podcasts this last couple of weeks that or maybe I didn't. Kevin Lowe, you just outlined his track record as a general manager. It has been almost 11 years since he sat in that chair. Mm-hmm. If worse came to worse and Daryl Cates is not looking outside the building, Bob Nicholson's not looking outside the building, geez, what, <laughs> Kevin Lowe is the general manager again? Be a, be a <laughs> terrible thing, but he's been out of the game for 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, like, his mistakes were mistakes of loyalty. Like, he, you know, he overpaid the guys who, who, 
got that team to the final, like Pisani. And I think the Horkoff contract was a little bit of Cates too. I think that he sweetened that pot maybe more than it needed to be. And then, of course, his his uh, temper got the better of him in the Ryan Smith situation, where they didn't fully explore the options available to them on that trade. So, I mean, you know, he he's a smart hockey guy. He's respected, and when he was in power, they were they were pretty good. I think they started to tail off, you know, kind of after two thousand and six. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that would. There would be some pretty significant blowback if they made him oh, yes. the GM again. Mm-hmm. Lots of Lomas go yeah. to this day. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that would ever happen, but I don't I don't think he's kind of one of the more responsible parties for where they are right now. It's been stuff in the last seven, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim Matheson's pick to succeed as general manager is Keith Gretzky. Is, how important is it for the Oilers to keep Keith Gretzky around, whether he's GM or not? Still involved in the operation. I think he knows amateurs, the amateurs pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think he's drafted some pretty good players. He drafted someone who was in Boston too. I think he's a no nonsense guy. So I would keep him for sure in the organization. But if I'm if I'm Vegas, I have no idea why they would even let Kelly McCrimmon get away. All George McPhee has to do is say, "I'm the president now of Hockey Ops. You're the general manager." And Seattle and Edmonton can forget about it because if you're really good and I'm not letting you get away. And they're in the division. Yeah. So I don't know why, you know, I know GMs don't want to stand in the way of other, you know, assistants who can go somewhere else. But the simplest way for them to do it is for George, who's been around the horn a while, just to make himself president of hockey ops and then make Kelly the day-to-day general manager. Now, Poho Tchaikovsky... I mean, I guess Keith Gretzky is going to have to make his case to you as well. Yeah, well, he's kind of lumped in by association. Like, it's, it's unfortunate that his name is Gretzky instead of a, a, a blessing, right? Because, you know, his body of work, you know, since he's taken over, he's made a couple of, of subtle trades to squeeze them out of some situations. And, and he has a good eye for, for amateur talent. So it's kind of... You know, it's like, oh, he's old boy. He's not the old boys club. He wasn't here for the longest time. The only issue with him is that he was here with Shirelli and it becomes a, a, a case of what did he know and when did he know it in some of those bad trades that went down. Like if Shirelli was just on his own making all these decisions, you know, without any input or sitting down or, you know, for all we know, Keith vehemently disagreed with a lot of the decisions that, that Shirelli made. We're like, well, maybe never know that. So I, I think he's a smart guy and I, I, I certainly wouldn't, toss him out because he's uh he's a, he's a smart hockey guy he knows the amateur side and he's made a couple of you know subtle little moves since then that have helped you know getting rid of Talbot getting Sam Gagne for Spooner so uh yeah I, I think it's unfortunate that people sort of associate him with all of the bad things that have happened here for the last 13 years but I don't think he's a an author of them question how Lou Lamarillo brought him up just now um Compare Lou Lamarillo and Ken Holland. I mean, they've been around the game. They've been in the NHL, what, roughly the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Both of them have had Stanley Cup success with, you know, Detroit for Holland, New Jersey with Lamarillo. Um, how do they compare? I, I'm going to get to my point why I bring that up. I don't know. Lou seems more not on an island by himself, but he's Lou Lamarillo. I think Ken Holland is, seems to be one, a more of a, let's take a consensus here. 
getting at Jimmy Nellis as assistant GM and, and all sorts of other players, Chris Drapers and other, he asks in Iserman and the guys, I think he, he's more of a consensus maker. I think he's sure of himself. I think he's comfortable in his own shoes as to being a general manager and he, and he's pretty good at it. And now, you know, and now he's taking some shots because Detroit doesn't look very good, but you can't be good forever. And they never had any good draft picks and they were still, and part of that is obviously the scout, you know, Hawk and Anderson helped them out immensely. But, um, Lou is a kind of an, I wouldn't say he's a dinosaur, but it's Lou's way or yeah. no way. <laughs> and, you know what, the moves he makes, in, some of the moves he made this summer when he brought in like Leo Komarov and, and Phil Pala and some of these other guys and brought Matt Martin back from Toronto. And I'm looking at him going, yeah, okay. Um, but he hired the right coach very quickly and said, okay, we got to have Barry Trotz here. And you know what he did too? He got a goalie. You know, most teams weren't gambling on Leonard and he said, I think that this guy can play goal and he got Leonard. And Leonard's been pretty good. So Yeah, I don't understand why Ken Holland's stock is like the guy did an amazing job. That team never picked higher than about twentieth for 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 years and, and he had them in the playoffs forever and ever. And now suddenly they they're in the skids and it's like, oh well, you know, he's the game's passed them by. He's he, you know, he's smart, he knows he knows hockey and, and given the right situation, I'm confident he could succeed again. Because, you know, in your column, you bring up Hacken Anderson, the, you know, the scouting guru in, with yeah. the Red Wings, has been since 1990. You know, would you ever consider putting, if Ken Holland ever came free from Detroit, because Steve Eiserman is just sitting there waiting for that job to open up. If Holland came available, what about having him as a part of your triumvirate? And that maybe even it, bringing yeah. in a Hacken Anderson as a result. I thought, I literally thought of that when, when, when the situation came up. Yeah, I, I absolutely have tons of respect for Holland. And, not only is he smart, but he's, you know, he's, he's open. He's, you know, he'll, he'll communicate with people and, and he'll share his ideas and tell you what he's thinking and what his vision is. And, and I look, you know, look at some of those players that the Red Wings drafted and brought up. They would draft a guy and then four years later he would play for the team. And, and like, that's the way it's supposed to be done instead of like, you know, hurry up. What's wrong with, you know, Puliarvi and Yamamoto? It's like, you know, see you guys in four years. I like the way he, he, his philosophy when it comes to grooming talent. And uh, yeah, if, if he could just say, hey, you know, Hacken's coming too, that's that's a big deal because the others haven't really had a whole bunch of success with European players lately. Yeah. Well, when was the last time the Oilers did a good job of scouting? Hmm. Like, well, know, I, hitting home runs. back in the day, Hawken could get these players because... Nobody else was scouting. Now, <laughs> you're not getting any of those players. And yeah. as smart as he was then... You know, I haven't noticed the last couple of years they're getting some player out of Russia or something like that who's a star we've never heard of but yeah. you know that's a cyclical thing too for for scouts and there so. is that four-year waiting period too where they would draft a guy and you would think okay there's nothing ever becomes and all of a sudden oh he you know four years later he shows up with the team and he's a good player i mean it so sounds that. like from nicholson's you know this these boxes have to be checked one of them is being more outgoing as a general manager and i think that is a tacit shot at the former general manager who wasn't mm -hmm. and i think he they want somebody with a little more um and outgoing is not the word i'm looking for but around and available and can speak for the team so it doesn't always have to fall on the coach every day to talk so and and certainly ken holland is that would be that kind of fellow yeah because you know i need to bring up the lamarillo holland comparison because obviously like you already mentioned 
as everybody, most everybody knows, Lamarillo was a part of that triumvirate in Toronto with Hunter and uh, Dubas. And look what happened there. Not that you can necessarily, you know, make a template out of that and have it replicated across the entire league. Yeah, but they're not a finished product, but they are there on, you know, they have the pieces uh, in place. Definitely. Well, we're uh, halfway through the first round in the NHL playoffs at this point, and we do have some series that could end in the next game and some big surprises, you know, Columbus leading 3 nothing over Tampa. And and quite frankly, I'll just stop right there because that's just mind-blowing in, in and of its own. Good thing John Cooper got an extension before the playoffs just started. Time. <laughs> just in time. He's a really good coach, and they obviously had no down period during the regular season at all, you know. I don't even know if they lost three in a row in regular season. They've lost three in a row now, so it's not good. And uh, they are uh, in a whole whack of trouble with, you know, their offensive guys can't score, and uh, their best defenseman played a couple of games, and uh, if he doesn't have a post-concussion syndrome, he's symptoms, he's got a bad shoulder. So he looked terrible in the first the games I saw for Tampa. Just shows the playoffs are just a totally different animal. Like if you have a, a fast, aggressive team, you can go a long way. And and skill is great in the regular season, but there's more to it. You know, when the when the playoffs start, the, the the game is officiated differently. Team, the biggest difference is people finish their checks in in the playoffs. Whereas the regular season, you know, they do a lot of flybys, and it's you know keeping yourself healthy and. And the game is just, it's a lot softer in the regular season. It's nowhere near where it used to be. But the playoffs are still NHL hockey. And that's, everybody's finishing their check. Everybody's playing hard. There's less time and there's less space. And a lot of the ingredients that made you great in the regular season maybe aren't, they don't translate as well to the playoffs. And we're seeing that in a couple of instances. I Toronto-Boston will be interesting to see how that series plays out as well. Heavier hockey, but with smaller players. You know, if you, you still have to be brave when you have the puck because you know somebody's going to be hitting you. And that guy might only be 175 pounds, but he's going to hit you. And you have to be brave enough to keep the puck and, you know, the puck possession and stuff like that. They don't have the same 220-pound players playing, but, you know, still gets back to the same aggressiveness. And, you know, Toronto has a few players that so far have not shown that they like that that game. And then the other 3-0 series right now involves the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the, one of the poster boys for that series is former order Jordan Eberle, who scored in three straight, all three of those games. Of course, uh, this is his first playoff since he played in the playoffs two years ago with the Oilers, and that was for the first time he'd ever been in the playoffs. Um, and here we are watching Jordan Eberle, you know, be, becoming a hero for the New York Islanders. And, uh, of course, we all remember back to when he was traded two years ago. Didn't do anything in the playoffs. See you later, Jordan. And we, you know, whether you, or not you believe the owners really need to save that salary, they ne- they've never replaced him. Clearly, now they have Sam Kanye hmm. yeah. as a result for him. But, uh, yeah, that trade tree didn't work out that well for and him. And it's, 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 it's the old 
take a step back and realize that lots of players the first time they play in the playoffs aren't very good. And I mean, I can remember Datsuk was not very good for Detroit for two playoffs, you know, years. He turned out to be a Hall of Fame guy. So, you know, and the fear of not having a contract probably is there for Jordan. His contract is up. He's got to play better. He's playing with Barzell again, and they've taken him off that line. And he did score five goals his last eight games of the regular season, so he got hot again. So we've all seen Jordan when he can start scoring. He yeah. can he can really score, and he's still got pretty sweet hands from the face-off dots to the net. And that's, I don't know why organizations, well, some organizations undervalue the importance of scoring goals. And that's literally the entire focus of playing hockey is scoring a goal. And if you have a guy who can, who has a knack for that, you know, and all his, all his whole life, he's scored big goals. And, uh, you know, you start looking for warts in a player, you have a guy who's kind of continually putting up 20, 25 goals and you start thinking, well, look at that defensive play where he let his guy get away. Uh, look at this play where he was a little bit soft, like, you know, okay, but how many of the guys who make really good defensive plays all the time are going are gonna to get you 25 goals, right? So there has to be a bit of a trade-off. The goal scorers aren't going to be as good defensively as the defensive guys, but the defensive guys no way are going to be as good offensively, you know, as somebody like Jordan Everly. So you have to accept those warts, you know, like teach somebody else to handle the defense. Like he'll, he'll pick it up as, as time goes on, hopefully, but you, you, scoring goals man that's that's you can't teach that if a guy has it you, you you keep that guy i don't i've never understood why you you know start looking for reasons that this guy can't be the guy when he's scoring 25 for you regularly you know and obviously it's a hindsight thing um because you know two years ago after the playoffs were over i think the consensus was among no obviously with the orders but even among the general public was that you know eberly's time with edmonton well he needs to go but and but here we are sitting today, and and the team desperately needs scoring that Epley can provide. They've never replaced it. I mean, Ryan Strom eventually did score almost twenty goals, but it was with the Rangers this year. So I mean, there's another case of giving up a little too soon, selling low, selling low. Yeah, that's that's why you know while there's talk that Adam Larson had a poor year. Again, if they wanted to trade Adam Larson, you're selling low again. He's had a bad year. Don't trade him. Keep him. You know, hope that he turns it around and plays like Adam Larson can play next year. So, you know, I agree. But goal scorers, yeah, they're tough to find. And everybody dumps on Phil Kessel. Right. He scores goals, baby. <laughs> you know, and we, you know, other Oilers, we were talking before the podcast started, but I mean, Pat Maroon is having a good playoff for St. Louis. I mean, that's a different team. It's a very good team in St. Louis he's playing with. It's different than the Oilers team from two years ago. But he was a key ingredient uh, for the Oilers in the 2016-17 season. Oh, definitely, yeah. So I They mean, couldn't afford him, though. No, that's true. They, they traded him for a reason. They couldn't afford him. And the problem isn't that they get rid of these players. They don't get anything back. They don't get enough back for them. No. You know, if you want to trade Jordan Eberle, who scores 20 to 25 every year, don't just trade him for straight up for Ryan Strom, who had one good year in his NHL career. Get something else too, you know. And that's they just you know. In Peter's case, he often trades a guy and just doesn't get enough back for him uh, to and there was offset a, the loss of a player. There was a disconnect. Like, okay, you get Strom here, okay, so maybe he can play with McDavid, and he he almost never played with him. Like he was always they very quickly you know dropped him down into you know, second and then a third line guy. And that's kind of where he, where he ended up. So, you know, 
you have to give the guy an opportunity to, you know, if you want to replace Jordan Everly as a top six first line winger, give his replacement that same opportunity. Yeah. Well, I guess they tried to give that to Ryan Strong. Yeah, but they gave up quickly, right? Yeah, I mean, it look wasn't what very long. You're right. Yeah. True enough. Um, I was going to ask you guys what series you're watching closely. You're watching all of them. But I mean, if Tampa does go down to Columbus, I mean, that's that East is wide open. And even a team like, say, Boston or Washington. Washington's got to be yeah. really smiling if Tampa yeah. goes out. You know? The defending champs thinking, oof. Okay. I mean, it's like, it's like anything goes because the other series are certainly, I mean, you know, uh, Washington's up on Carolina, but I mean, the Leafs Bruins series, I don't know who's going to win that series. No one does. I mean, it, it, I it do. Will, yeah, Boston's taking that one. Boston's going to win that <laughs> <I think> series. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and some of the others. I mean, Colorado's played good against Calgary. You know, they're giving Calgary a good go. Mike Smith's had to play pretty good in goal. Calgary yeah. What if the orders had snuck in? I mean, that's that's the question that you know people are asking of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They snuck in, they got that last seed in the East, and then Colorado's, you know, one one with Calgary right now, the top seed, and they're the eighth seed. I mean, there's always going to be what ifs with any team that could have been in that eighth mm-hmm. seed, right? I love what Colorado did. Like I'm, I'm, or not Colorado, sorry, Columbus. I'm just, you know, that gamble that they made after the trade deadline, we're keeping all our guys and then we're going to double down and bring in a whole bunch of other UFAs and just make a run for it. And then they draw Tampa and you're like, wow, what a stupid play. You've, you've lost all these assets. You're going to go out in the first round. And, you know, that scene in, in, uh, in during the last game was incredible. Like the, that they've really energized that town, which is what they were looking to do. And they're going to pull the, one of the biggest upsets in league history. And, uh, that's you the know, same team we saw here in the last two weeks of the regular season yeah. that the Oilers <laughs> handled, like they were just you know, like a you know a dump truck and a little tricycle. They just said, "Yeah, you guys are terrible." And they were terrible at night, as I recall. Yeah. Well, they better do it now because you know, obviously, there's some paydays coming up for some of those players. Panarin, it'll be Lodowski interesting what and, happens this summer. Like, does yeah. everybody just go their separate ways after this, or does it, does it bring them all together and say, "Let's let's try and make this work"? It'd be interesting to see. What's wrong with that fucking tweet? I says, well, first off, you didn't say anything in the press release. We're, we've, you know, in conjunction with our medical staff, we've come up yeah. with a rehabilitation. Well, what's wrong with him? Well, well, you know, uh, yeah. just tell us he's got a, say he's got a little, he's got a knee sprain or he's got a, what's the, don't put on a stupid. Why? Why, why did they, I don't, I don't understand. Do they all think we're a bunch of chumps? They've sent a press release out and a tweet to the general public saying, you know, nothing. absolutely nothing. Yeah. Conor McDavid is now going to have a rehabilitation schedule. For what? And, and he'll be ready for the season. The first yeah. thing says. Done. And it's sent out at the 9 o'clock. The first thing that everybody Friday says night. is, well, for what? Exactly. And so then eventually you find out the next morning. I mean, well, I don't know what they were trying to, to hide. When I talked to Why? Shipton, I says, obviously he's got a, it's not a broken leg. He's got some sort of okay. knee I'm re- issue. I'm recording this, by the way. Good. <laughs> okay. Tim Shipton. Okay. That's standard Oilers stuff, right? We'll just, you know, send out something that no regard for anybody else. Like we're the Oilers, we're going to do whatever we want. So here's what here's what we're going to give you. Here's what you, we're going to allow you to know. So we're opening the door a crack. Whoosh, yeah. Comes out with, close yeah. the door. It's like the politician who comes out. My platform is going to be firm, but fair. And they never say anything, right? They try to 
send out a bunch of words. So I think they realized that after the fact, you know, that, you know, maybe they, they kind of got a little bit lazy on that one. Cause when, when five or 600 people are looking at your press release and making fun of it, you know that, okay, maybe we've, maybe we've erred a little bit on that, but uh, I guess no. Are there, are there guidelines, NHL guidelines as to what teams can, um, you know, reveal or have to reveal oh, yeah, when you it have comes to, to a player injury. But he's your player. You can say whatever you want about your player. He's yeah. your guy. You say as little or as much. I guarantee you the thing that pissed the Oilers off the most was they had an MRI and they had Dave Otto, who's one of the best orthopedic surgeons in Canada, look at the, his leg and he says, I think it might be this. And then the Player Association and the agent stepped in and said, no, 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 no. We got to send him somewhere else. This is Connor McDavid. You know, it always happens in the NHL. Suddenly... The guy's going somewhere else to get the surgery or going somewhere else. And then suddenly there's other people looking at this thing and it still comes back to the same thing. You know, he had a minor tear or a sprain or whatever it is and it's fine. Oh, this, the, the whole way, like even that, that evening in Calgary when it happened, like there was all this wild information going on. And it was strictly because of the Oilers. Like they literally blocked off a hallway in the Saddle Dome and said, we want everybody cleared out of here because we're going to move Connor McDavid out and I'm like what is he coming out on a gurney hooked up to an IV like why can't people be here and they just the people from the oh, Saddle yeah. Dome security were saying you know it's it's above my pay grade and uh, you know they want the whole so they literally you know they put up curtains and they and they you know they wheeled him out in a wheelchair and they were just taking him to the to the x-ray room and they didn't want anybody to see that so they I mean how many times have you seen guys leaving rinks and shit well, exactly. on crutches yeah. hundreds of times so what's yeah. the deal so yeah. what and then you say okay well there must be something wrong here so as long as they let you know it wasn't a break then you're thinking well he's still on crutches it must be something else then well you think they make you think it's way worse than it is when they're sitting there like they literally after we went into the room and then after we scrummed hitchcock they said okay everybody out of the hallway they put they locked us in the media room they had a guy from security come in and put his hand over the window so we couldn't even look out as Connor mcdavid walked down the hallway for like with no crutches well apparently he was on crutches like first he was in a wheelchair to go to the x-ray room and then they wheeled him back and then got rid of the wheelchair and then first he was on a stretch a gurney yeah he was on a wheelchair he took out the eyes on crutches and then he ran out of the building and then it was like the hannibal lecter thing where he was on the the the, the upright gurney with the mask on his face well (laughs) he saw him the next day at the at the season and he walks in and he walks in and he stood for like 10 minutes to answer questions yeah, that's, so yeah. it made the nights the night before us all the more ridiculous. Like, I, w- I was shocked when they made him a bit. It was, I thought they'd say, "No, no, 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 he's uh, not talking." Yeah. Well, I mean, and then in the days following, and this this is a couple of weeks ago when that happened. But I mean, in the last few days, we've seen on social media, fo- you know, photo of Conor McDavid playing mini golf at yeah. West Edmonton Mall <laughs> with a brace on his leg. Yeah. And we also see, uh, you know, out there, uh, Milan Lucic with his leg all taped up. Was he on crutches, if I recall? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway. You're seeing stuff he's I'm out not there. seeing. <laughs> oh, breaking news. No. <laughs> it was out there. I mean, you know, and clearly, and Lucic didn't dress in the last game, in the Calgary game. That's Calvary right. Game. He had a thing. Yeah. He had a thing. And, yeah. but, you know, this goes to the orders don't have to tell us. And they're not mandated. The initial doesn't mandate that they have to tell us this guy's injured. The simple this thing would, would be just to say, like, he sprained his ankle. Or you get, it might be an ankle thing or something. Yeah. Sure. It's the Hitch off season. Seem like, to care. I, I don't know what you're Hitch trying is to. one of those coaches that yeah. basically tells you what's wrong. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I know they don't have to say anything, but but it, not in the playoffs. With, sure, they're not in the playoffs. Like, who gives a fuck? They're not in the playoffs. We're recording this, man. You have to put the <laughs> parental guidance on now. Fuck. 
great. There's language in this one. <laughs> language. Are you allowed to do that? Can you swear in these podcasts? I know. How does that work? What's but you that? know, in this day and age when people have cameras on their phones and they can snap photos of whoever they want, it just fuels the speculation, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, but so it, it's in, I think it's in any organizations or anybody's best interests to get out in front of it and be honest because you can't hide anymore. You know, someone's going to be in the parking lot with Milan Lucic getting out of a car with something on his leg because he's wearing shorts. It was nice out. You know, same with McDavid playing mini golf. If you don't Even want, though we already knew he was injured. If you don't want people speculating, if you don't want people guessing wrong, then t- tell them the truth. Like, what does it hurt to tell right out of the box that, you know, he's got this and this is, you know, it's a PCL and it's a hard thing to operate on. So usually you just leave it. You know, why does that hurt? Why is there this veil of secrecy that doesn't need to be? Any minute now we'll find out that Mikko Koskinen had two broken fingers. That's why on his yeah. catching hand, that's why he wasn't catching the puck well. Right. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Thank you.